Well, hello and welcome to Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave. This is Phil speaking and coming off of my shelf this week. We've got a personal longtime favorite, 1978's Halloween, sometimes known as John Carpenter's Halloween. Uh, You know, spoiler alert, I love this movie. Dave, (laughs) uh, how are you feeling? Did you sleep at all last night? And uh, (laughs) and, uh, what are your initial thoughts on this movie? Well, I mean, having never seen it, but knowing the characters and actresses and such in the film, I felt safe knowing one of the characters was going to make it through. So I cling to her. Uh, <laughs> Fair. Whole film, and she was my safety net. So <laughs> I knew all would be well. But as you know, and I've expressed, not a big fan of horror movies due to lack of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh-huh. Exposure. Yeah. Yeah. Exposure. So I wasn't exposed to them, so I never really, uh, uh, you know, enjoyed them. So, and I'm a bit of a bit of a wuss. Let's just for our <laughs> listeners to, to know. My name is Dave. I'm a, a wuss. So, <laughs> but with the comfort of uh, of Jamie Lee, I mean, her and I going to make it through. I liked it. I didn't mind it. I I I, I cranked up the sound. I turned off the lights. I mean, this is the way you're going to watch the movie. I'm not going to watch it like we like we kind of joked about it at noon. Uh, no, <laughs> nightmares. Uh, no nightmares. Uh, so yeah, the short answer. I liked it overall. It was a, a fun experience. Uh, there's a few things uh, that reminded me why I don't really like the genre. Uh, okay. But, th- but there are a few elements of the movies like, oh, this is a nice change. Certain elements like I don't really get exposed to that often. So it was kind of a nice, uh, nice change for me to get in it. And yeah, I, I would, I'd be more prone now to watch, you know, maybe a few more. Uh, okay scary movies again not gore i'm not looking yeah. look at it gore and i didn't feel this was gory at all it was definitely a you know a horror movie halloween movie so um not bad so now i know obviously why you chose this one <laughs> uh well i chose this genre uh, and the fact that you really enjoy like this one specifically but i know since you are a big fan you may have or likely have a lot of horror movies uh, on your shelf yeah so okay, can i take a, a, a stab <laughs> if you will to, <laughs> to, to why you chose this one sure okay, yeah guess. my guess is kind of looking at the timeline and the inspiration around it all and uh, who directed it and uh, and things like that is it feel i feel that maybe this this specific series halloween obviously there's friday the 13th there's a lot of series there's usually not a one and done uh, other than maybe 13 ghosts there was no sequel called 14 ghosts or anything like that no Uh, No. a lot of them do have sequels upon sequels i mean trying to find this movie uh online is like well i found it oh no i didn't find it oh i found it no i didn't find it i found the 2007 (laughs) version i found the 2018 version that's been remade (laughs) redone it's been rebooted sequels uh you know things like that so it was a bit of a, a challenge to find it but i did at last uh but i'm guessing it through probably inspired through maybe a couple of hitchcock films earlier but this one having that inspiration from hitchcock maybe really kind of was the beginning of this kind of genre to be more prominent and more of a uh, every year there's there's a horror movie out now it seems to be like it kind of almost not the beginning obviously but really kind of uh 
a big stepping stone towards this genre and Halloween kind of paved the path for that or kind of led the way. Uh, am I right? Wrong? Close? Not close? Hot? Cold? Uh, well, that's that's pretty accurate of the of the genre in general, I suppose. You know, the sort of slasher movie. Some people will kind of hang its head on on this one, and you know, there's stuff like you know Black Christmas and a couple of other movies in and around this time and and uh, North American. There's obviously some uh, foreign Italian movies that were kind of in the same genre, but yeah, I mean, there's this is sort of credited as being the sort of birth of the slasher, uh, uh, the first of the sort of holiday. Uh, horror movies uh it was still two years away from friday the 13th uh mm -hmm. six years away from uh nightmare on elm street uh you know so ironically in my case this was a movie that i actually came to uh late uh when it came oh. to 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 uh my sort of horror fandom yeah nightmare was really i think the first one that really kind of got its claws in me if you will and um <laughs> And I think, and then from there, I think it went to Friday. Uh, you know, again, stuff that was just on sort of the the, the super channel. Uh, there was a big gap between Halloween 3 and Halloween 4. And I think by the time Halloween 4 came around, I was already kind of into Nightmare and, and Friday. You know, uh, Halloween 4 was like 88. So I was like nine or, you know, eight or nine years old at that point. So I'd already kind of, I think, thanks to, again, Super Channel and VHS tapes lying around, I'd already watched Nightmare and, uh, and, a, and a Friday or two. So uh, while this may have been the sort of birth, in some cases, of the sort of slasher genre that I love so much, um, I actually only watched this movie relatively, you know, uh, a, a little late in the game, as it were. Um, okay. And I agree with you in that if you're trying to find the timelines or connective tissue of all of these sort of movies, I think there've been 11 of them now. Uh, it's a challenge and a half and probably not worth the effort, uh, uh, frankly, but um, it is telling to me <laughs> that you can have three movies called Halloween uh, spread out over 40 years. Uh, it tells you something about the longevity of the, of the, of the, both the longevity of the, of the character and of the story, but also I think indicative of how the series really has no idea what to do with itself except to restart, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, which is kind of what happened with this series where it's sort of the timeline and they're, it's all sort of so messed up that they're like, yeah, let's just skip it. And we'll go back to the beginning and, and just forget about everything that came after. Um, oh, yeah. So. That's what well, pretty common though. Like, I mean, even in a lot of different movies, let's just, oh, let's just start something. Let's reboot it. Star Trek did it it's like oh let's just go back to the beginning and just do something and it's uh i have mixed feelings uh towards uh a lot of that stuff so but uh well, this I one i don't one of, the nice things, one of the nice things i will give some credit to at least with this current one and uh the sort of re-debut in 2018 um is an attempt at least to keep the characters uh and and or the actors portraying them intact. You know, one of the things with the rebooted Star Wars or Star Trek or um, uh, maybe Star Wars a little bit better, but the sort of reboots to all of those series is often it's it's so far removed or it's just a redo. Like Rob Zombie's Halloween was sort of like, eh, new cast, new everybody. Uh, so let's start again. Um, I think there's some merit to some extent, let's say, maybe it gets overplayed at times, 
but bringing in sort of elements of the of the uh, the original casting or, or original director, original you know, where you get a fresh take on a on an old idea with um, with the same people involved, I think has a little bit more merit than just a what feels like a strictly kind of commercial. You know, we yes. own this property. People like Star Trek. Everybody's too old to come back. Well, we'll just now get a brand new everything, you know, attached to it. And maybe at some case kind of lose the essence of what made it great or interesting, mm-hmm. or, you know, whereas I think to some extent, the 2018 version, as an example, I don't think it does it exactly you know, as well as it should or as it may, but at least it's attempting to try and reconnect to the, uh, uh, to the original material as closely as possible. But, okay. Now, what's your opinion? Just a, just a kind of a general question for you. What do you prefer between a redo and a reboot? Uh, like, say you take a movie from 85 and it's been 20 years and you come back and make a sequel, essentially. So mm-hmm. you're, you're moving forward. Uh, yeah. Characters are all a bit older. Either they're new actors or not new actors. I think they don't make enough effort to just kind of recast someone a little bit older. Just mm-hmm. That's okay with me. Uh, versus the scrap this let's go back and redo it essentially versus kind of re- like reboot is kind of a uh you're rebooting the series but is it like a, is it new material or are we just kind of rewriting history sort of thing yeah. uh, i think you run what, a, what would you like i think you kind of run a risk you know at times when you're trying to uh you know there are there are series that try and do both you know the sort of reboot re- the redo is the reboot and vice versa um, mm-hmm. But I think if you look at theoretical examples or, or, you know, examples like Blade Runner 2049, trying to do a sequel, you know, 25 mm-hmm. years later or 20 years later, um, while trying to maintain some of the elements and sort of as a jumping off point, but sort of still holds true to its original source material, uh, I found that movie to be very effective. Uh, and I wasn't even a huge fan of the original. So I just thought like, well, here is what feels like or what could be could pass as a brand new story. But for the fans of the, of the original, like there's enough sort of elements that kind of connect it to it and then sort of feel like a good, a good jump. Uh, A good example of that too is, is psycho two. You know, the original psycho in 1960, I think uh, psycho two came out in, I think 80, 82, somewhere in that region. And it's 20 plus years later. And it's a direct sequel it takes place 20 years after the original, you know, the events of the original and things of that nature. And yeah. I think that that is wholly effective, you know, provided that it's baked into the story, you know, it's 20 years later, yeah. we're looking for Harrison Ford's character 20 years after, you know, if it's, if it's part of the storyline, uh, then I can kind of uh, respect it. You know, Halloween kind of went and did its thing and, and it came back in 88, uh, you know, basically I think seven, six or seven years after Halloween two um, with the return of Michael Myers, which sort of continued the lineage, but a completely new cast and a completely new everything. So does that work? I don't know. Is that a reboot? Technically it is because the series had kind of died, but mm-hmm. it's also a direct sequel because it references the events of one and two. So it's interesting. I don't really know the right answer or, you know, how I feel. I'll accept anything so long as it's, it's, it's done correctly. <laughs> it's good. You know, good. As long as it's good. Day. Yeah, you know, if Blade absolutely. Runner had sucked or if the Star Trek movies were better, you know, I watched those and was just like, well, I don't give a shit. You know, like, I just don't, I'm not, these characters are not the characters I care about. And the movie you're giving me isn't that interesting. So yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Whereas something like a Psycho 2 is like, well, this is 
I'm interested in Norman and I like that character and what you're doing with him is interesting and the presentation is interesting. Oh, well, okay. That was a pretty good movie by, you know, by, cons- by all things considered. So that's kind of where I'm at. And same thing with the Halloween movies. They, yeah. the sequels get a little crazy. The reboots get a little crazy, but if you kind of grounded it enough in, in some reality or again, character or, or anything like that, I can get into it. And I think this series has tried more than any other, particularly in the horror genre to, constantly be trying to change things up you know friday the 13th is pretty much the same movie for the first eight of them you know uh after eight they get a little bit wacky uh you know jason's in space and shit like that and nightmare gets really creative with their kills and such but the movies essentially are the same repeated over and halloween does attempt you know uh, for you know for good or bad but it does attempt to uh, to try and keep a cohesive thread as best they could until eventually they were like, well, we, we can't, <laughs> we're done. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go back to the beginning. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind when they try to go a little crazy. I kind of interested to see uh, Jason in space, but my problem is right there on the shelf, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> my problem is when they do this time, I feel they get lazy. And what I mean by that is they depend too much on nostalgia and like, Oh, I'm watching the new star Wars. Oh, land uh, Lando's in it. Yeah. Oh, great. That's that's gonna draw me in. Well, yeah. And the first time I watched that, like, this is stupid. This yeah. is like the this is the worst movie I've seen. Now yeah. I've, I've 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 watched it again, and it's okay. It's not that bad. It's okay. But with such high expectations, but I find sometimes they it's too lazy when they try to make these redos and reboots and and things, and then run out of ideas. And you know, again, I don't mind getting a little crazy, but again, in thing, it needs to be interesting. It needs to be entertaining. It needs to be you know, like I like this, and I find they just. They don't do enough and, and rely too much on, on those things to get the people into the theaters. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to make money yeah. uh, uh, from us, uh, us poor saps. But uh, <laughs> anyways, um, I I'm just curious because like, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was just kind of curious because there are so many Halloweens and I'm, I forget where H2O comes into play here because that yeah. was uh, something. <laughs> that was the seventh that was the seventh movie uh the okay. first attempt to say we've gone too far with these sequels uh let's let's bring it home you know a lot of it comes down to jamie lee curtis and they sort of make a big deal about her coming into the series and you know the return of jamie lee curtis and i think she's great and, and we can talk more obviously about this specific movie but what i find that funny is that she's in of these sort of 11 movies she was in one two seven eight and then again, 11 and 12 um, now with Halloween okay. Kills. So it's about 40% of them. She's in like a fair amount of them, whether she's in a lot or, or not, you know, is sort of secondary. But when it's sort of like the return of Jamie Lee Curtis, it's like, yeah, but she was she was in a lot of them. You know, it's not like she hasn't been been around in the series. Um, mm. But, you know, coincidentally, onto the, the sort of nostalgia point, you know, there is something that in the most recent Halloween Kills that came out this, uh, you know, last, last couple of weeks, uh, it, it does sort of decide to bring back characters from the first movie, uh, both actors and characters, and sort of talk about their story within the context of Halloween. And when I read that, I thought, well, that's interesting. That's, that's, a, that's an interesting approach. I really, you know, kind of appreciate the idea of that because it's not just Laurie's yeah. story. You know, it's the story of the town. It's the story of the kids, so on and so forth. Yeah. But in my opinion, they just absolutely squandered it, and it doesn't actually have any real weight in my view to the, to the, to the story. It was like a bit of a wink and a nod to, Hey, remember this shot or this scene or these characters. 
and it's playing strictly on nostalgia and not really elevating or bringing anything new to it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. Part of why I wanted to watch this one again was the sort of purity of it, you know, and, and really trying to get into a, a, a headspace as, as I always do of what is this sort of like in a vacuum, you know, not expectation, not what I remembered or, you know, what have you really try and approach it. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm successful, sometimes not, but really trying to approach it from a blank slate, you know, mm-hmm. um, and stripping away the 11 other movies that I've seen of this series and really get down to the purity, let's say of the, of that first movie and, and what it begot, you know, after, you know, and I, I, I thought um, to that end, I thought it would be interesting to kind of revisit a movie that, I do watch it every few years, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, every couple of years, let's say four or five, three or four. Um, but um, not with the sort of more recent, uh, obviously with the podcast and stuff like that, not with that mindset. So I thought that would be an interesting uh, exercise to, to bring yeah. it for myself to kind of go back to the beginning and uh, bring along my, my good buddy Dave. I'm interested to see how forgiving you will be. Um for certain uh, parts of the movie that are um, questionable. Sure. We'll say. I almost kind of compare it to an EA sports, uh, sports game series, um, okay. the genre that, uh, where um, it's kind of the same, like it has the same kind of, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm always looking for words, Phil. Um, yeah. same calculation, same kind of uh, foundation, same kind of you know, okay. but they always bring bring along every year. They they make some tweaks, make some changes. Like oh, okay, this year we have hockey's got beards. So this year Jason's in space. Do uh, thing, <laughs> but they yeah. they always carry along the same flaws. Uh, and I find they never seem to kind of fix a few flaws that I find troublesome in these in this genre of movies. And maybe I'm just being too. Uh, too hard on it or just too or maybe i'm just not uh you know overlook you know just kind of appreciating more of, of other parts of the film where i'm like well that's kind of silly you know Ugh. anyways yeah. i just find them prominent in a lot of of these films just like same as action movies i find like the over the top that's that's that would never happen sort of thing i don't like that kind of a reoccurring flaw that uh, other genres have as well so uh, that's just a kind of a comparison I make. Like, why don't they, why do they keep doing this? <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. They keep go- going back and making the same mistake. Question is, maybe it's not a mistake. Maybe it's me, Phil. Maybe it's me. Uh, but we'll find out as we, we talk about this uh, movie because it's going to be kind of fun to talk about. And we did watch Monster Squad, obviously. You kind of got yeah. my feet into the water, kind yeah. of just dabbled in a, a little bit of a, a horror film, more a, kind mm-hmm. of a you know, PG-13 uh, but again, having watched this as a 43-year-old, I wasn't scared, yeah, really at all, because I knew the main character was going to survive. Sure. Uh, I know the algorithms uh, and all the kind of expectations uh, and when what's going to happen. But not to say I didn't like it, but I just I wasn't scared as a nine-year-old, or twelve-year-old. Or even a twenty-year-old would have been when this, you know, watching this movie. I was, I was reading something about his twenty-year-old. Like, yeah, this this really scared me. When yeah, I was twenty years old, right? And of yeah. course, we've become a little more desensitized too to these uh, sort of things as we, as time has gone on. Yeah, but absolutely. Uh, 
I think that that's true of, you know, the challenge, and we've talked about it before, whether it be Jaws or uh, even any of the action movies, as you said, to some extent, there were movies that we watched um, at various points in the life that, that does sort of crystallize the moment, you know, and even if, uh, you know, if, if you watched, you know, whatever the movie you watched at 13, you know, is, is going to be like, it's always, even if it's a bad movie, it's like, it's always going to be in the back of your head. It's like, oh, no, I love that movie. You know, experienced a little bit with UHF, you know, a movie that I watched when I was like 10, 11, 12. And was like, I love this movie. And then watching it so many years later, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. You know, but, they're still, <laughs> but there's still a part of you, a part of me anyway, that like, no, no, no. Like, you know, I'll defend it. You know, we're all like, you know, because, yeah. you know, and Monster Squad is another one where it's just like that movie doesn't make a lot of sense as we talked about. And like, you know, and, and the effects are, are good and bad. And, you know, there's elements of it that are good, but you know, that's a movie that if I had not watched that at 11 and maybe was just coming into it at 42 plus years old, eh, you know, maybe it's not the most compelling and like captivating, interesting, you know, kind of movie, but because of where it was in the moment, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of connecting back to that person subconsciously as I'm watching it. And I think we're going to probably experience a little bit of that with this for me. Whereas, you know, again, I'd already watched all the sort of slasher movies, but there was something genuinely, I thought, pretty terrifying. And I don't know that I actually was, to your point, really ever like grip your pillow kind of scared, you know, like don't turn out the lights kind of. Uh, there's only two movies I can think of that I had that effect. I watched back to back and I was like too scared to even go upstairs. And we can talk more about that <laughs> over the course of the podcast. <laughs> But like in that moment, I was like totally petrified. Like I literally could not go upstairs. But I don't remember having that experience while watching this other than connecting to the things that are scary in it, you know, and it's a bit like that even with comedies sometimes when I watch where it's sort of like, you know, I may not find that funny, but I can see why someone might, you know, yeah. like it's not my sense of humor, but that's funny, you know, uh, or that, that actor, you know, Jim Carrey is a, is a prime example watching something like Liar Liar you know, as an example of like, so over the top that I don't really connect with it, but sitting in a room with three or four other people watching it and they're laughing. Oh, I'm like, yeah, that's funny. Like, it's definitely a funny thing, but I'm not necessarily, you know, uh, uh, laughing my, my, my ass off. So I think that's kind of how I approach this movie where it's like, I am not necessarily scared of the scenes themselves, but thinking about, being a you know 16 17 year old girl running you know and, and the stuff that's happening and, and you know the the children you know all that stuff sort of thing well i see how that is scary you know uh, and there were some images and some shots and some sounds that i thought were genuinely like this is really effective scary filmmaking even if i myself wasn't you know shaking in my boots yeah now how often do you feel or, or pretend you're a 16 or 17 year old girl <laughs> That's uh, uh, for me and my therapist to know. <laughs> private okay. conversation. Right. So I, won't, I, won't, I won't pry. It's okay. Don't press. Don't press that issue. <laughs> uh, now, and something, and then, and that we can probably say there's only really a handful of movies that are truly timeless, and that when it mm -hmm. comes to comedies, action, any sort of movies. So that's kind of a. You know, when you look back and watch movies, oh, like how you feel about watching it now. So there's only, I mean, Casablanca is an example. That's a, for me, that's a, that, that movie's timeless. Yeah. Perfect. But as movies age, as, especially comedies, like that's not funny anymore, right? So it's, mm -hmm. I think it has a bigger kind of 
you know, harder to do in, in the comedy world because of uh, some things just aren't uh, funny anymore. But yeah, I think yeah, there's this, there's things that you can laugh at in 1982 that you can't laugh at necessarily anymore. You know, and there's yeah. that there too. And, and and some things scared me in 1982, and some things don't scare me now. So sort of long, but I find it a little easier, um, like uh, to still be scared. Some things are just always scary because you got the music and everything. So yeah, this, um, you want to dive into this? Where do you want to start? Where do you want to begin this uh, this uh, this adventure <laughs> to Halloween 1978? Well, uh, one of the big things is, I mean, one of the iconic pieces, bits of pieces, and it's obviously the first thing that we hear in this movie, is the score. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Carpenter composed it. Uh, that it music, is. I'm not sure if you'd ever heard that on, like, any sort of Halloween party mix and so forth, because it's a pretty, in my view, pretty ubiquitous uh you know, uh, theme, but uh, again, I live in a pretty narrow, <laughs> you know, horror-filled world. Um, was there, a, a, did, you know, what was your take on the score in general? You know, did you find it uh, uh, in t- compelling or interesting or anything of that nature? Um, well, I didn't notice. Um, I didn't know beforehand, but I saw that Carpenter also did the score. Yeah. And uh, so I'm watching the movie, and he's directing it, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I'm just <laughs> laughing, kind of making and picturing him directing it, and then quickly going to his keyboard <laughs> <laughs> and playing the keyboard as he's directing it with a smile, like this with a look on his face. So uh, <laughs> that was amusing for me, just that, that kind of mental picture of him doing both things at the same time. At the same time, okay. <laughs> Um, I don't think that works, but <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's just a picture. It's just really funny. Yeah, uh, so funny. that gave me a gave me a kind of a chuckle. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, I, I I like the score. I liked um, um, it. Wasn't too. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a lot of. I can't really compare a lot. Like I can't compare it to Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare and other horror movies because I I don't remember them. So. It was eerie. Uh, it wasn't overbearing. It wasn't like too much. It was, you know, it was wasn't, you know, I had the, the speakers going um, like the surround sound. I, I found a nice level I liked. It got me kind of immersed into the film. Yeah. So kind of so I did like that. So I appreciated that. So I, I thought in general, I thought, OK, this it suits the film. It's, it's not in my face. It's getting me more into the movie, which is the whole purpose of the score and music. So I would say it's successful. Now, is it something that other people did later because it was successful, or did they continue throughout the series? Was it a, a thing, or I don't know? You can tell me that. But overall, um, again, just lack of, of comparison. Like I, sure. I thought, it, it definitely got me more into the movie. So I say that's a, that's a win. That's a win. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I'm not looking for a, you know the grand scheme, right? Just like in the product or in the events of the movie, you know, was it engaging? You know, uh, that yeah. that 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 theme. The sort of propulsion of the, you know, dun, 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 you know, that is something that does carry throughout the whole series, right? Like that is sort of the signature soundtrack, similar to Jaws and these other, you know, the sort of iconic kind of sounds. And there was one other piece of music because I, I like uh, elements uh, of much of the score, uh, but there's the sequence uh, near the end uh, when he is sort of chasing her down the stairs, and there is that really kind of uh, percussive. Uh, you know, stalking theme, you know, where it's like, dun, yeah. dun, you know, and he's like kind of ding, ding, ding. And anyway, I'm not going to sing on this podcast. The world is, does not need that. Uh, we'll lose our German listener. Please don't go. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, 
I do want to say like that, the score is really, I thought, uh, fantastic and immediately uh, into it, you know, uh, in terms of just sort of watching the slow push in on the pumpkin, uh, you know, and, and music kind of going over the credits. I just thought like, oh, yeah, man, like that is somehow that is all connecting. And maybe it is obviously the baggage, but there's something about the simplicity of that of that music that yes. I found uh, it's so engaging, even in its simplicity. And yeah. uh, and I really like that. Now, the look of the film, just to pivot off of the, the, the sound, the look, you know, this the cinematographer on this movie is a guy named Dean Cundy, who mm-hmm. worked with Carpenter on a lot of his early stuff, ended up working with uh, Spielberg, and he shot Jurassic Park and uh, Zemeckis. He shot the Back to the Future movies. He's got a real long... Uh, career um, and this was sort of in the in that you know early goings I think this movie looks spectacular from the the framing and the obviously the lighting we can talk a couple of scenes that I think the lighting is just like the, just perfect um, but the 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 setup and the and the and the and the structure of that did uh, any of that stick out to you you know just in terms of compositions or shots or frames or anything of that nature well, I think it kind of shows itself really a while when they're when they're in, in the rain when they're traveling um... Loomis and the nurse are just going to to the hospital. Yeah, I think uh, I think that right away in that that first uh, bit. Um, well, after obviously the very beginning of it, but um, and just seeing them in the field and and things like that with the lighting and the rain and and that whole scene, I think that was really well shot. Sure. Uh, but I thought in general the whole thing and it cleaned up nice. So I was like, wow, this is this is a I guess that's what I love about what, watching these movies years later and them cleaning them up and getting, putting a better copy up there for us. It's like, it looks good. I mean, yeah. there's nothing that tells me this movie was made 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. I'm watching it like it just came out. This movie does not need uh, CGI. This movie does, needs, yeah. does not need special effects. It needs a good music score. It needs, you know, pacing. It needs suspense. It needs all these other things that are you don't need uh, that have been around for generations and generations. Yeah. Uh, Agreed. So, let's, so yeah, so I, I thought overall, I think it was definitely well shot. Um, I love the camera work. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, just having kind of you're behind the eyes of of of, of Michael or whomever, yeah. and it kind of I like that shot. Uh, it wasn't too much. I'm like, oh, they're gonna do this like a whole movie. Like, what what are they gonna do with this? I thought it was a nice, just the right amount. So. Uh, and just the town, how the, how the, the street was laid out, uh, that was all great. I think that was kind of, it put me in that town. And there wasn't anything that stood out to me that was, you know, like, ugh, you know, that or just kind of over time didn't age well when it came to, because those things cannot age well necessarily, right? So, oh, for sure. Particularly movies in the 70s, right? They sometimes will have that, that sort of feel to it, the veneer to it. Well, I liked the use of the frame in that there's so many of those shots which are, wide lens or you know wide angle shots of them walking down the streets you know even like yeah. at the beginning and i like the kind of bookend of this movie actually which is you're sort of showing the town as it is with again this fairly idyllic quiet suburban neighborhood you know and bracket says later you know like you know what this town is this town's family it's like you know like it's a it's yeah. like nothing happens here you know kind of throwing it away to loomis as loomis is obviously convinced that this is going to be a bigger thing but being able just to kind of set it up in that kind of context and the shots i think help that you know and also the expanse yeah. of you're just a, a lonely 
you know, you're, you're, you're a, a small group of three, you know, there's a couple of shots where they show like kids going out trick or treating and so forth, but it really shows a lot of isolation in those shots, you know, wide lens, three mm -hmm. characters, the friends and nothing else, you know, really around them. Uh, I think again, setting the tone for the movie, I think it's established very, very quickly um, mm -hmm. after, after the, 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 I think actually this movie, now that I say that, like, I think because it kind of opens, uh, it's got like almost two, maybe even three sort of separate openings. Um, so we can kind of maybe go back to um, the, the, the murder at the beginning, you yeah. know, right, right, right from the start. Um, it's what a great, to me anyway, what a great opening to a movie, uh, particularly this kind of movie, because it really does sort of, I like that it builds. I like the, the use of the Panaglide, you know, sort of, uh, uh, moving camera up the stairs around the corners and so forth so this fluidity to it mm -hmm. and I love the as you said like putting the mask on and now we're the POV like we're always in POV but now that we're the, the mask kind of covers which is usually a pretty cheap stunt that I don't really enjoy like when someone looks at binoculars and so forth mm -hmm. um, because generally when you look at a binocular like you actually see straight anyway but the idea that uh, that I think adds the element that we're like, you know, from an audience perspective, like we're the, we're the, we're the, we're the, we're the, we're the murderer, you know, on some level. And then the big reveal after he goes back downstairs and they pull the mask off and the reveal revelation that it's sort of a six year old kid or whatever. You, um, yeah. I think it's really powerful. And the camera just sort of pulls way back. You know, I love that whole sequence. And I, it's like six, seven minutes, but I think it's just like a, what a perfect way to start a movie. Um, were you into it? Like, did you find yourself kind of hooked at that point or were you still kind of wondering, yeah, maybe? Uh, I was just like, my, of course I had the obvious question, why do you do that? What's, sure. the, what's his motive? Yeah. <laughs> so that was like, you got a sister. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought about it, but I mean, <laughs> um, uh, did like the boobs, uh, by the way. Um, sure. but no, I, I, I liked, like, I kind of, it was, kind of predictable unfortunately okay. because i have just sure. the knowledge of knowing what's going to happen to a certain extent in a lot of the cases i was yeah. left guessing later okay when when is when's it going to happen i know i know this person's dead that's going to yeah. happen how mm -hmm. and when is what is what kept me going and me and my wife were like okay we're guessing is it going to yeah. happen here no it's going to happen i got a, a couple of right i must say i'm pretty proud of myself but um, but I like the opening. It kind of set the tone. It's like, okay. And then I know we're going to fast forward later. This guy's obviously older and he's coming back to town. I thought it was kind of, uh, it kind of, I know it's, I want your opinion on the shot where he comes outside. We were, it's revealed he's the six year old brother mm -hmm. and it just kind of hands away a bit and they're just still. Yeah. For a good couple of minutes there, they're not yeah. moving. And I didn't know how I felt about that. I mean, I didn't feel that really added anything for me. It didn't sure. hurt, but it didn't like, okay, this is interesting. No, I could, I was fine with without that. Was there any particular reason why you think that was a choice to kind of? Yeah, pause my it? thought is a little bit of the, it's the revelation, as I said, you know, I think maybe with the benefit of hindsight, you know, it may be lost to a certain extent, but I'm trying to, again, think about 1978 being, you know, 15, 16 years old watching this movie. And I think it, the idea is letting the audience sit with the idea that they just witnessed a six-year-old kid, yeah. which but you don't often and wouldn't have seen really a lot in movies, you know. Um, 
having murdered, you know? So I think the idea is that it's the, they're going to hold on this shot to let it sink in. Yeah. What we as an audience are dealing with, you know, it's not just a random murder. It's a six year old kid, you know, who went and a conscious decision to pick up a knife and stab his sister. And as an audience, we are wondering why, you know, and the parents don't know what to do with it either. So they're stunned and silent. You know, I think the whole thing is just about like almost like a freeze frame, even though it's yes. a moving camera. I think the idea is to let it sink in for a moment what we just witnessed and what that means for where we're going to go and that, i thought that to that end very effective yeah that that makes a lot of sense i think it still is sinking in uh now as we even speak <laughs> um to what why did he do that so i think yeah that that makes complete sense um i guess just so, again me having the knowledge of okay i know kind of the backs a little bit of it sure. so i just i didn't need it for it to sink in it's already sunk in at the same time it hasn't sunk in so i'm in some weird sunken unsunken world right now sure get out <laughs> um yeah. yeah so i agree with that i think that that's the thing and then i i do like you know sort of goes from there uh per, you know to loomis ultimately going to the to the to the hospital and he's just stoic right again sitting in the car they're trying to make conversation he's got this like stare away of of he's evil you know i want to lock him up He's got nothing, you know, he's, he's given me nothing over these years, you know, this sort of monster. So we're trying to, I think it sets a tone. I think it's a little melodramatic. Most of the stuff with Loomis, I think, in this movie is pretty melodramatic. The stuff that he says, how he says it, the performance yeah. is a little over the top. I still think it kind of works in the context of a 70s horror movie. But one of those things that we talked about with sort of aging years, you know, later, I think watching it now, I just sort of be a little like, okay, you know, I get it, <laughs> you know, Um but like some of the, uh, you know, the over maybe uh, performing uh, that he comes out with. But I do love that it sort of culminates into this sort of, you know, the evil is gone from here and he can't like keep his breath. And he's like just running off into the night. You know, there's something I think in that hysteria that is compelling, you know, even if the performance up until that point is still very, he's evil. We must stop him, you know, yeah. very stoic and very calm, you know, and now he's manic and he's flailing around. I, I kind of like that. And I like the attack on, on the nurse in the car. Um, you know, again, just sort of to set up a tone. I, I thought that was pretty good in the rain and, you know, all the sort of yeah. horror movie tropes, you know, I thought that was a pretty effective scene. Yeah, no, I, I did. I, I did like that scene. It was kind of, <laughs> he just gets on the roof and then next thing you know, he's driving away. Yeah. Uh, I like, think like, that's going to be a problem. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, and and then so that's like a second sort of re, a, a second introduction, as it were, to the character, and then there's like even a third, which is now it's Halloween day, present you know present time, and that's when we get the sort of shots of the neighborhood and shots of the town in this yeah. very idyllic kind of thing, and this is where he's going, and I kind of like again the contrast the of the wet, you know, scary, gloomy, you know, attack that happens, and then you know, theoretically the next morning, right? Like this madness is happening six hours prior, 10 hours prior and you wake up and the sun is out and it's pretty and it's like fall, you know, it's all this really happy kind of imagery, you know, I, I like that kind of uh, contradiction. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how, just a quick second, 30 seconds on Malcolm McDowell's portrayal of Loomis. Was that good? Uh, I don't yes. like it. I think okay. he's just, a, he's, he's a bit much uh, at times. Uh, that movie uh, is a bit much. The zombie Rob Zombie's take on the on the on the movie is is a bit much. Uh, I like elements of it. I like that it's really brutal and really uh, intense. Uh, but I think kind of miscast a couple of places and doesn't really deliver uh, as well as this one does. Um, okay. 
but you know, I like them all, you know, to, to varying degrees, you know, uh, I was one of the few people in my sort of social group that, that did, uh, enjoy the zombie remake, um, which was more of a remake than a reboot, you know, uh, 2018 was more of a reboot, but, uh, the remake of, of Rob Zombie, was, I thought it was okay. Like, you know, better than, uh, better than most, I thought. All right. Three seconds is up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Moving on to, so what, what I've liked about it, I just want to throw this out there is, Please. yeah. Uh, just the character Myers just appearing and reappearing. Uh, and just that look. I mean, they, they kind of nailed the look uh, yeah. of a guy with the mask uh, and the, just the, I couldn't figure out where he got that mat. That, the, he looks like a mechanic. Where did he, why, why, he get the jumpsuit? And then I just literally remember like 10 minutes ago, oh yeah, that's the part where he, he, he they found the dead guy in the truck. Okay. That was, was like a mechanic. Yeah, so that could make sense. So that's where he got his, uh, his get up. So I enjoyed those those things of him following them around and just him showing up and not showing up. It's kind of like it's creepy, mm-hmm. uh, and, he's, and it's just so well done. And and seeing the boogeyman, the kid, and no one believing him, and uh, you know, I mean, I would have believed him, but anyways, um, <laughs> I enjoyed right. those. You were you were that guy at, <laughs> at, at forty. <laughs> yeah, exactly, so, honey. Is that the boogeyman? Hold me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I thought that. I, I agree. I thought that too. I thought him sort of popping in and out. I was worried that it might get a little overdone, like we see him too often, because um, that was my kept memory of it. Kept you guessing because I thought, okay, he's going to show up now. Oh, he doesn't show yeah. up. So kind of, I liked it. I was like, I wasn't sure, and I thought that was a good effect. Good, interesting. I agree. I think. I think. It, I think it does hold up. You know, because uh, I said my last viewing probably a few years ago. I think I may have felt like it's too often. Like you see him too much. But in this watch, I thought, you know, actually, it actually works. And I think the fact that he's sort of interacting, he's sort of locked on to these people and he sort of just keeps popping up in the, in the background or in the, you know, in the, you know, somewhere around the area um, I thought was pretty convincing. There is one shot much like almost famous where I, I, I had claimed that almost famous is, is a perfect movie to me, except for one, one real one scene. This movie has the same where I would put it in that sort of almost perfect kind of movie except that it has this one scene and it's, it's, it's about what we just talked about where he pops up or pops out. There's a sequence where she gets home after the girls walk home from school. Mm-hmm. She goes up to her bedroom. She looks out her window and he's there amidst, uh, amidst the laundry, you know, the sort of the linen outside. I'm not sure if you remember the shot, but she's looking out mm-hmm. at him. He's in the sort of flowing towels and whatnot. Yes, the, yes, camera, yes. the camera cuts back to her face looking out and then reverse shot back to the to where he was, and he's gone. Mm-hmm. So that is a shot that the audience has the moment of he was there and now he's not there. But mm-hmm. as a character, she doesn't avert her glaze, her gaze. She is looking out the window, presumably oh. for that entire shot. Yeah. So he would see him move or not move, right? So that's one, it's the only moment in the movie that I thought, well, this is it's it's uh, the fakery of a movie you know kind of comes through for me right like that you, your camera angle your camera shots are trying to tell me a story that the scene isn't that it isn't happening in the movie anyway it's it's I've, it's been my biggest pet peeve with this movie forever uh i just thought what an unnecessary have her look away like you know something but the camera is what i view is is the is the pov there and it, it, it kind of ruins it to me good catch Not i didn't the movie, pick up on just that. that one scene didn't pick up on it well, that's good. That's good because you shouldn't, right? Like ultimately, but it's a moment that I just, it, it drives me a little bonkers. 
Uh, every time the other flaws, but they're more, you know, just choices of uh, the characters that are the flaw, not the camera work. Sure. (laughs) Sure. So we can talk a little bit about the characters before we, we, we kind of break a little bit in the movie because we're about halfway through the, you know, that sort of that stuff. Uh, What did you think of the girls? Did any of them leave any impression on you at all? They're ultimately really the the main stars of the movie. Uh, Good chemistry amongst the three of them. I I, I enjoyed the, the, the three, they all were different. Um, Uh They all brought something uh, unique uh, from a personality perspective and, and a mm-hmm. look perspective and attitude. And I like them all for different reasons. So I thought it was a good trio. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know who these people are, but I'm like, I liked Annie. I liked uh, Lindsay, I think one, Lonnie, Lori, I don't know, but um, <laughs> a couple L's in there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I forget the other one, the blonde. Sure. Lindsay's uh, the kid. But yes, oh, <laughs> Lori, yeah. sorry, Lori, sorry, Lori, Annie, and Linda. Yes, Linda is the yes. one. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of L's, a lot of L's in there. Sure. Uh, a lot to think but, of. Yeah, but no, I, I enjoy, I liked Annie probably most, the most, I think. Yeah. I'm not sure, sure why, but, uh, you know, sure. there's a shot here, and um, forgive me, um, I want you to rewatch it. Uh, they're in the car, <laughs> Annie uh-huh. um, and Lori, smoking the, yeah. the, 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 the joint. Yeah, traveling. And we're not going to talk about that because we already talked about that. Why well, didn't smell? Anyway, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> but the camera's behind them in the back seat, uh-huh. and I'm looking. I'm looking at Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh-huh. She looks like Josh Hartnett. Oh, interesting. I want you to go back and just for that scene in the car, look sure. at it, and you're going to see Josh Hartnett. So, well, coincidentally, Josh Hartnett plays her son in Halloween. Uh, Twenty years oh, later. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So look, uh, look into that. And honestly, I did not know what you just said. I didn't know he was in any of the movies. This is an observation I made. Uh, I want you to go back and and let me know. uh, Breaking news exclusive here on Off the Shelf. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I kind of like the girls too. I thought the same. I thought they're their chemistry was was pretty clear you know i got the vibe that they were friends and they kind of picked on each other kind of similarly you know like we talked about a little bit with breakfast club and this there's that age group where you kind of mess with each other and yet still care about each other and i'm gonna tell ben tramer that you really want to like him you know and like no no no, don't do that don't do you know and like oh she's so lame and you know like that kind of stuff Uh, i thought that really effective i thought overall i mean the performances you know annie as a as a performance you know, as an actor, you know, not really great, but I liked all, you know, for the most part, I liked all her scenes, you know, I liked mm-hmm. uh, all that stuff in like the laundry room and the sort of stalking of her. Yeah. Uh, I really, I really kind of dug that sequence of events culminating, of course, with the, with the kill, the first kill of the movie, really, other than uh, the dog, I suppose. Um, yeah. But that first kill happens, you know, almost an hour into the movie. Uh, yeah, a little too long, a little too long if you if you ask me. But I guess that's kind of not a bad thing because it keeps you guessing, keeps you wondering when it's going to happen. So I'm like, what? When's this going to happen? When, you know, so I don't mixed feelings on on the timing of, of the first murder. Part of me says it took too long. Part yeah. of me says, well, I'm glad it took a while, so it wasn't so predictable. So make sure. Now, do you mean took too long in the movie to even happen? Meaning, like, should we have waited an hour to have the kill, or? Did you mean when you're talking about the sequence of her kill that takes sort of from the moment she kind of goes to the laundry room, which is about 10 or 12 minutes prior to the actual death itself? Um, 
I would say overall, the yeah. fact that it took an hour to get there yeah. more okay. than that sequence. That's fair. I like the uh, the scene in the in the laundry room. One of the, the things that I like most about it is that there's a very subtle, and this happens a couple times. We're speaking about lighting and and so forth, where he just appears behind the glass, you know, the sort of curtain glass door while she's busy kind of roughaging, you know, and, and trying to deal mm -hmm. with her, her, her laundry issue. And that is a thing where, again, in terms of filmmaking, you know, 30 years later, 40 years later, what you'd get in that movie is a big, loud musical sting, you know, uh, 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 alerting the, everybody that he's there, you know, and like a close yeah. up or something, you know, to sort of really jump out like, oh, oh my God. Right. And I think this movie in its subtlety and just with the use of lighting and performance and so forth allows that scene to just sort of there's a light, uh, I think, a little synth, little, you know, that it's there, but it's not a big deal. You know, it doesn't take a big meal out of it. And I think that happens a little bit later, too. There's a sequence where Laurie, right before she's kind of at the, the you know, the, the room to the door and, you know, the frame again, we're talking about a, a, just a shot like that frame leaves so much room to the to her left i guess and then this the light just ever so slightly kind of comes up to reveal that white mask amidst the the darkness of the door um it's my favorite star of the whole movie i just think it's so powerful and again that element of scary you know there's there's not a lot in this movie that maybe maybe doesn't hold up entirely on the on the fright level but that yeah. shot for some reason i thought that's still creepy and then it goes from there nearly to the pick up the knife and stalk her down the stairs with that music and just the shot, low angle, him coming down, all of that. I thought that whole sequence was pretty amazing. Do you have any thoughts on that? And that stick out to you? Uh, no, I, I agree. Uh, that's, that's pretty much the, the high point for me when it comes to the, the scary part uh, of, yeah. of the movie is just, the, just that span. That's the part that's got you uh, that uh, on the edge um, and the, the music's picking up and, and things like that. So I think that's really where it, it hits it. And it makes you wait for it, but I guess that's the payoff, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, well, ultimately so, that's like an hour, it's almost an hour 15 into the, into yeah. the, into the, into the movie. And then right before that, about 10 minutes prior to that, which is about a 10 minutes after Annie, you get Linda's death, which I think is another really fantastic sort of sequence of events. So yeah, I like the, that, that scene. Well, let's just what what your your thoughts on on Linda's death and obviously Bob's death and that whole sequence. Do you have any imp yep. impression on that? I love the Linda death. Big fan. Uh, yeah. Not well, sorry to hear about Linda, but uh, <laughs> as for Bob, it was a Bob, right? Yeah. Bob. Uh, other than the logistics of it, uh, uh -huh. that knife wasn't long enough to go all the way through him, stick in the wall, and hold up his body. Fair. Fair. So that's ridiculous. Uh, that's one of the flaws. Uh, one of the sure. basically three flaws uh, in it. Other than that, I like the idea of it. I like the death of it. I like what happened, but I just don't like the you know logistics stuff. That's not possible, unfortunately. Uh, get a longer knife. So yeah, no, I like the I like the that sequence. You know, let's get everybody killed. Let's do it. And, and I love the chase with Lori. You know, trying to get it in. Uh, you know, him walking across the street. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know that's that's fantastic. Her getting in and then noticing a window open, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh god. I mean, I, and I'm thinking, why would you go inside? Sure. I mean, I know it's a reaction, uh, so, but I would definitely stay outside. Just there's more space, more people. Don't yeah. go inside. But um, excellent uh, sequence, uh, all in all. Uh, my only issue, which I'll just say now as we get on, is 
why she left the knife not once yeah but twice <laughs> all right for him Perfect. now the first time i'll forgive she's in shock i get it um she thought he was dead he clearly wasn't happens again where she thought he was dead which clearly wasn't obvious that he was dead uh with the use of what they all she used was a, a, a hanger a hanger so clearly you can survive a hanger yeah. Uh, and then she literally had the knife in her hands and dropped it about a few feet away from his body. Sure. I've got a real That's problem fair. with that. <laughs> uh, That's I guess she's in shock. Sure. Uh, but that, that bothered me the second time more than the first time. Why mm-hmm. didn't you just finish him? I mean, I don't, I, who knows what I would do in that situation. Uh, yeah. But that is, again, that's the EA sports flaw that I'm talking about. That happens, and all like, why did you do? Why did you make that choice? Why did you, or even the beginning, why did the nurse roll down the window of the car? Yes, why did yeah. you do that? What purpose yeah. does that serve other than your death? Sure. Uh, well, I think, <laughs> I think, you know, to answer that question is a bit similar to any movie, you know, where it's, it's a bit of the suspension of disbelief is required, particularly in a horror movie, more than maybe any other, you know, where you have to ask those questions uh, or not ask those questions, I should say. Uh, but I agree. I mean, obviously, held up to a lens that those decisions don't make a lot of sense. I mean, Scream years later kind of made fun of some of those decisions. But I think that there's an element that says, I'm panicked. I don't know what the hell is going on. I have no, you know, this is just instinct, you know, and I'm just running away. I want to go back just briefly to to Bob. And and, and I agree with you that that sequence, the knife is a bit of a contrivance, you know, to sort of have him like that. Uh, I do like, however, that he sort of admires his dirty work to some extent, the sort of head tilt where he's kind of almost confused by it, which is kind of what dogs do. I kind of enjoyed that element. I also like the urgency of it. He's getting the booze. And instead of going from a wide shot, you know, into something different, it really, you know, sort of holds pretty tight on that. And then he just breaks out and out of nowhere, you know, kind of chokes him out and then stabs him. I thought, what a great effective way, because Annie was so drawn out and the stalking and he's like breaking uh, flower pots and like really structured that way. I like the, the urgency of this one, which was just like, I'm not messing around. You're dead. And then I also conversely like the stretched out portion with Linda where he shows up as the ghost. Yes. And, and you know, this is the scene that really sticks out for me too, because it goes from uh, you're watching it and it's, and her reaction even as a, as a, as a, as a, as a cast, you know, as a, as a, as an actor uh, or as a character, you're looking at that. And like, at first you're thinking, this is silly. And then you're thinking it's frustrating and then it's scary, you know, like it was like, what are you doing? And then it's, why don't you answer me, asshole? And then it's, why aren't you? Oh, my God, what's going on? Right. I really like how not only does she kind of play that, but just as an audience, we're almost thinking the same thing. I thought that sequence is really incredible. And again, that's, you know, an hour 15 ish uh, into the into the movie or hour 10. And there's only 20 more minutes. And then it's like you said, right away into her across the street. Michael is sort of, you know, stabbing her, chasing her um, and tackling her in the in the, the closet and all this sort of stuff. And then Loomis, you know, fires his six shots in him. Yeah. And that reveal at the end. Uh, obviously, you know, now we know there was 11 movies that were made, but the intention. <laughs> so it was told was that there was no specific intention to make a sequel. It was just this was sort of how it, how it goes. And then what I love about that last shot is the reveal that he's not there after having yes. been shot six times. 
and her saying, you know, the boogeyman. Oh, actually, I also want to mention there's that great scene just before that where she is outside, as you were saying, it's safer outside, it's safer outside. She goes to the neighbor's house, light goes on, she's yeah. screaming, pleading, begging, light goes off. And I thought, wow, what a great, again, sort of metaphor a little bit, if you want to think about it, from that like suburban decay on the outside or like all the stuff is, is positive on the outside and like kind of narrow negative on the inside. Everyone's hiding the thing. Nobody wants to help her, even though there's this like mm-hmm. screaming, desperate, sad kind of woman crying in front of you. You turn off the light, pretend you're not here. I, I, there's something kind of chilling a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, concerning. but yeah, so, yeah, I loved, I love Loomis kind of looking out and like, hit that stare and he kind of looks up like I'm, you know, and, and then again, bookending and I'll let you finish up the thought, but, and then kind of cutting to those shots, those still shots of this town wide lens again, just sort of like these, these static shots of the town with the breathing now of the mask and the last shot of being at the house. He's still there. He's come home and you know, who knows what's next? You know, I kind of really loved that whole uh, last sort of 10 minutes of the movie. What are your thoughts? I love the look on Loomis's face. Um, when he looks back and sees the body's gone, yeah, uh, and great scene. I'm I'm going to forgive the fact that he was shot six times. Oddly enough, sure. even though some of the stuff I, I'm less forgiving, uh, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, and just how the whole how the whole ending wrapped up. It was it didn't drag out. It was short and sweet, um, mm-hmm. and it was great. I mean, I, the fact that this whole movie goes it just leaves you okay when's it gonna happen when's it coming okay it's slowly happening it has that build up and then everything just happens in 20 minutes yeah um, and i do like annie's death i love the fact that she the door is locked she comes back that doesn't doesn't notice that it's unlocked i love that um, so good yeah and so i love just how everything just escalated uh, the, the few things that obviously i mentioned i didn't like but other than that i was like oh this is this is wrapping up real nice and it's just picking up and boom 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 and just that look on his face and like oh and i'll tell you I didn't love the movie. I liked it, but I want to watch. And I, was, and I can't say I want it on my shelf, but sure. I want to watch Halloween too. And that's what it left me with. Amazing. I, yeah. Like I, like I have to watch how, like I have to, I am, I'm going to watch Halloween too, because even if it sucks or whatever, it left me wanting to continue and see, to see what happens. So I sure. think that's a win for a movie that leaves you wanting more though it may not left me wanting to watch this particular movie again, though I, I would watch this again. Absolutely. I wouldn't say it was beyond my shelf, but I may watch it next Halloween, give it another, uh, get another go, but I'm definitely going to watch Halloween too, just, just to, you know, you know, feed my curiosity. For sure. Well, that's exciting to me. Uh, as you know, it is on my shelf. So, you know, maybe we'll do it. <laughs> maybe we'll do back to back. Yeah, knows, but, Absolutely. Um, but that is, it's an impressive feat uh, to have that ability to, to kind of compel you to, to see the next thing. Um, and so that, to me, means that the movie is obviously doing something right, as you said, because you want to see the character again or you want to sort of get a, yeah. a, 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 you know, a bit of closure, what have you. So that's really exciting. I love this movie. It holds up, as I said. The things I thought I might not connect with uh, in terms of, again, the sort of overperformance of Loomis and some of the dialogue, he's pretty ineffective throughout the whole movie. He's just waiting. You know, he's sort of silent over here yeah. uh, away from the movie. I think that that doesn't really hold up as much as a character. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, I remember him being a little more involved um, yeah, you know, in the in the overall story, but uh, he obviously, you know, later in in the series, you know, kind of maybe uh, maybe plays a, a larger role. But in that sequence, I just thought, well, well, that's uh, uh, I thought he would be doing more. Uh, but other than that, I think the movie really holds up. Uh, it's still a pretty effective filmmaking and uh, the structure of it, and really, John Carpenter 
you know, went on to make some of my all-time favorite movies, you know, Big Trouble, Little China, They Live, um, you know, The Thing, certainly one of my favorites, which the kids were watching in the, you know, in this movie too. Um, the guy is just a, a pretty incredible guy, had a, a hell of a run. Uh, so this movie is happily going back on my shelf. I may buy it, you know, for the ninth time if need be. Uh, I love it. Uh, Dave, uh, what, do you, what do you got for me next week? Uh, I'm real excited. Well, we're going to lighten up the mood a little bit. Uh, take a whole different direction. Um, we're going to go with Uncle Buck. Oh! John Candy. Uh, I want to see if this is any conversation of being a timeless a, a comedy. Uh, so so it's, it's a big uh, big shoes. But yeah, I got it on my shelf. I put up a two uh, dual feature with Fletch. So I haven't watched it since I got it. So we're going we're gonna to check it out. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen it in a very long time. We'll see you next week, folks. Good night.